the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. This is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development for 820 AM The Word. My special guests today are two gentlemen that I'd love for you to meet. One is John Wagenwald. He's the founder and president of Multiplication Network. John, welcome to Heart of the City. Thank you very much, Chuck. And uh, Steve Chittenden. Steve, you are the Senior Advancement Director, China Ministry Director of Multiplication Network, and so welcome to Heart of the City. Welcome, Chuck. Good to be here. Well, we've known each other for many years. About 20. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we, we have. So, and you've... You've worked with many different organizations that uh, that I respect, and uh, you've been with Multiplication Network now for how many years? Ten years. Ten years. Just finishing my tenth year. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about who Multiplication Network is, and then we'll kind of get into your own personal story. Who are you and what do you do? <laughs> Thank you. Good question. Um, well, in terms of the ministry, we are planting churches uh, all over the world. We're in about uh, 40, 45 different countries now. Uh, we train the nationals to plant their own churches with modular training. So we don't send Western missionaries, although some may do the training. Our work really is to work with the nationals who are already there and who can then, you know, they can plant their own churches using the materials, the training that we, that we provide for them. Why is that important? Why is it important to work with the nationals as opposed to an American coming to a foreign country and and training pastors? That's a great question. Um, it's you can't get around the idea that anytime you send someone from another country to plant a church in a in a country that they're not born and raised in, you're you're also going to send their culture. And so they may know the language, but even sad to say, some missionaries don't always know the language. But you always send their culture, and that that culture that you, the country that you're coming from, may not fit so well in the country that they're currently going to be doing ministry in. So um, we may send baggage. We may send Western values that are going to be very different from the values that are that are in that country. So we we feel at at Multiplication Network Ministries, we refer to it as M&M, kind of like the candy. Um, we feel it's even better to train the nationals who are already there and give them the basics so they can go plant their churches. You know, they also already have the network of friends and the social networks that makes the gospel travel so much faster through those networks. And the other reason is simply sustainability. Those are the people that are going to be there long-term and are going to be able to keep long-term relationships that brings the transformation power of the gospel. 
And another reason is simply cost effectiveness. Hmm. When you want to, uh, it's been studied out that to host uh, a missionary family with some of the operational expenses, travel, health and benefits, salary, etc., you're talking about $120,000 a year. With that same money, you can train close to 70 or 80 church planters that will result after a year of training in 70 or 80 new congregations. And so... We're, there's still room. It's a both and. It's not an either or. We still respect. I'm the, in, in my case, I'm a, a missionary son. I've been a missionary myself. I'd be happy if one of my kids were a missionary. Um, nothing against missionaries, but we just have to realize there's been a revolution in missions. And part of it is that uh, change or that shift from being expatriate-based to being national-based. So the way I like to say it is that the role of the foreign missionary has to become more of that of a Barnabas coming alongside the Pauls and Timothys that are already in those nations. Yeah. Well, John, we had a chance to chat with you a little bit about your your personal testimony and your personal walk in another program. Steve, your, uh, your story, tell me about you. 1975, I was... Uh, had left high school. I graduated from high school and uh, was a good student, a pretty good athlete. But I knew that there was something missing in my life, and I didn't really know what it was. I was not raised in a Christian home, um, but I I was searching. And I got involved with a – I didn't know this – a group of Christian friends, and I didn't really know they were Christian um, – and I saw something very different about these people. We were actually all volunteering at a camp for the handicapped. And I saw something in them that I'd never seen in the world before that. And that was a kindness and a love. And, a, and, a, and it was very, very appealing. I, I could, to this day, feel the Holy Spirit, although I didn't know what it was. I wouldn't have called it that back then. It was, it was just a, um, a, you know, I was being summoned, I think, to a, a, a life of faith in Jesus Christ. And, uh, but these people were so different. I said, you know, I really want that. What do I need to do to get that? So I, was, I, I had learned a little bit about uh, uh, they had shared the gospel presentation to me and with me. And, um, and then I started reading the Bible. And I started reading Acts 9, Paul's conversion. And I thought, wow, uh, that is really interesting. So here was Paul, who was a persecutor of Christians. Uh, he caused a lot of trouble in the church. And so, and then he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And I thought, okay, maybe he can use me. I mean, I didn't persecute anyone. Like I said, I was a good kid. Um, you know, uh, you know, you would have loved to have had me as your son, Chuck. But, uh, <laughs> you were that good of a kid. Yeah, that was that good. I was that good. But, um, but I, I, I knew that there was something missing, and I needed to find out what that was. So, as I say, God in the Word. So I'm very involved now in getting the Word into China, and I love to. I've taken teams over. Um, I've raised, uh, been able to raise millions of dollars for Bibles for China, and for that has been has been just a real thrilling part of my legacy that I'm going to leave when I'm gone. My legacy is going to be here, yeah. and it's going to be all these millions of Bibles that are in China right now. As a result, you know, one of the concerns that I have uh, regarding Bibles and uh the need for bibles and for people to understand that is 
I get concerned sometimes that that uh, believers here in the West don't really value the Word of God, and it's you can talk to them about giving ten thousand dollars for a well, but when you talk to them about giving money for Bibles, sometimes there's that disconnect that they don't see the the. I hate to say this, but the value of that. Have you have you seen that happen? Have you have you discovered that 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 can happen? I think that yes, we have. Um, it is um, it is true that it is happening. I'm hoping and praying that people would return back to the scriptures and understand the importance of the scriptures. I mean, I always ask the question: Is there evangelism and discipleship without the scriptures? And of course, no, there is not. Mm-hmm. That's how God speaks to us. Um, you know, I'm an active Rotarian, have been for 32 years, more than half my life. And we feed people. We have done wells. We have done all kinds of great stuff. But we don't proclaim, we don't proclaim Jesus. And we have to proclaim Jesus because that is, that is the, the bread of life. That's right. It's Jesus. He's the way, the truth, the and way, the life. The the truth, and the life. And no one cometh to the Father except through him. So that's the most most important thing we can we can of course build the wells and but and there are a lot of groups like rotarian groups like my rotary group like other groups even our even governments that will supply money for well well drilling but it's only the christian evangelical group that will provide the scriptures and that the scriptures are so important because once people read the scriptures and recognize who they are in christ they can do a lot of things for themselves they can dig their own wells yeah. They can see for the, the need for others outside of their community. They can be giving. And so they, because they know they have to take on the person of Christ. And when they do that, they look for the needs of others and not, not themselves all the yeah. time. Well, uh, I'm sure you could articulate this better than I, but having traveled and, and helped to raise funds for various organizations for Bibles, when you meet people who who are hungry for the Word— and who get that Bible, there's a, it's unbelievable that feeling that you have when you see them, you see the look on their face and how excited they are when the scripture uh, is given to them. And I'm sure in China, and I remember in Russia and Ukraine, uh, seeing some of the Bibles, the little tiny Bibles that they hid, and, you know, you almost had to read with a magnifying glass because they had to hide it, you know. And so um, providing Bibles is critical, isn't it? Yes, it is. I remember one of the first books I read after becoming a believer was God Smuggler. You remember mm-hmm. God Smuggler. And I thought, oh, wow, if, if I could do anything for the gospel, it was to, to get the Bible in the hands of someone who wants to read it. And so just a quick story. Um, about three and a half years ago, I was in Hong Kong. And went from Hong Kong to uh, to Chiang Mai, Thailand, and I was there to see my good friend, who was a U.S. diplomat there. And my friend Mark said, "Let's let me get you get in my car. We're going to take you up to my favorite restaurant up into the to the mountains." And so we did. We we got in his car and we drove up to the mountains, and uh, we we uh, got out of the car and went into the restaurant. He speaks Thai, so we ordered great Thai food. And after we ordered probably 30 or 40 Chinese, what I found out later, Christians came in. One sat down right next to us or on the table next to us, took out one of the Bibles that our ministry, Multiplication Network ministry, had 
had funded. And here we were, um, in you know, hundreds of miles away from where we were getting Bibles in the country, and we were able to review and meet someone who actually had received one of these Bibles. And so um, his name, his English name is Rich, Richard, and he is a missionary in Moscow working with Chinese people, and he just oozed with the desire to want to share the gospel because that's the Bible that he received and how important that was for him. Mm. So he wanted to share that with others. Yeah. Well, what is happening with the church in China? What's, uh, you know, there's been some, some, some missionaries that have been kicked out of China because of, of uh, the government coming in and, and, uh, and taking them out. Uh, what are you seeing is happening there overall? China's um, going through some incredible challenges right now. Xi Jinping, who is the general secretary of the Communist Party, um, it really has taken on a, a different, a different um, role than any other general secretary uh, leader other than, other than Mao. He really wants to be the second Mao is what he wants to be. Um, it's it's a sad commentary. He's closing down churches. He's making it very difficult for the church to meet and to and to congregate. But not just Christian churches. There's a group um, in the Northwest called the Uyghur people. The they are um, in, in Xinjiang province. They number about 13 million people, and he's got about uh, three million of those 13 million Uyghur people who are Muslim in what, what they call re-education camps. They're actually nothing more than a prison or a concentration camp. Their whole idea is to infuse in them Chinese values and um, governmental values that they then can um, be changed. They want them to be Chinese, not, not Muslim. And being, to being Chinese also means to be to look to Xi Jinping and the government as their as their their god, if you will. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge challenge. It's so understand, Chuck. It's not just the Chinese Christians who are being persecuted. It is it is the small little you know one percent of the population of China are Uyghur, and they are also being persecuted. Um, but the good news is that the the government or the the, the church is recognizing this and they now are are splitting up and meeting in much much smaller groups so instead of a, having a church of of 100 they may have four or five or six groups of 15 or 20 that are meeting all at different times through various parts of the city and the government normally does not recognize that as being an issue Usually 25 or less, they're not going to bother you, even if you are a Christian church, a Christian house church. And, and of course, there are government churches that are already meeting they're in the, that are in the hundreds. Those are what's called the three self-patriotic movement churches. Um, they are meeting, and they meet somewhat freely. Is um, the gospel proclaimed in those churches? Yes. That, th there is, for the most part, yes, mm -hmm. there is the gospel presentation there, for the most part. Um, I'm sure there are some challenges um, in certain parts of, in certain um, churches, but there are a number that are very uh, evangelical and they want to, they want to proclaim. But they have to be very, very careful because all of it's controlled by the government, controlled by the RAB, the Religious Affairs Bureau in, 
in China. So it's they have they 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 have to be uh, super careful that they don't cross that line, because that that they could that pastor could be you know w- removed mm-hmm. from that church, or or they could be. Um, you know, maybe they could be jailed, but probably more likely removed, mm-hmm. um, and the church then would be in trouble. So, so what's next for Multiplication Network as far as China is concerned? Where, what are your goals, and what are you wanting to do? We we still want to. Um, I can't be real specific on the on on the radio, but we're still our ministry is to place Bibles in China, and we are doing that. Um, we've we've done. Tens of thousands in these just this year, uh, Bibles are going into into China. Three dollars a piece per Bible, and uh, they will go into into the church in China. Um, so that's very very exciting. Um, we're we're doing church planting there. That's very very exciting. Um, forgive me for not being able to be real specific, um, but I I certainly can get specific if I knew someone. You know, was be, with talking with someone right off. So, yeah, yeah. But I have to be careful. Well, I've interviewed uh, folks who with YWAM who've uh, been in China and have been asked to leave, and mm-hmm. the same situation. They they um, just wanted to uh, guard their discussions as far as what's going on there right now and and friendships that they have. Well, John, I have a question for you as uh, as we're speaking here. Um, if if someone. Someone may be feeling a tug in their heart about being involved in a missions project, an international missions project, or they they may feel like the Lord's calling them to do something beyond just being in their local church, although that's important. What would you suggest that they do? How, uh, besides just praying and, and listening to the prompting of the Lord, are there some practical things that uh, that someone can do to to begin to think about uh, stepping out into missions work? Yes, thanks for the question, Chuck. Of course, Multiplication Network would love people praying for us. We'd love people to donate and give to to, uh, to and through us so that we can help and in partnership accomplish a mission both in provision of scriptures in China or in the training of church planters in about 45 nations around the world. But uh, in, in more uh, specific terms and in general uh, I would say to people, get involved by studying about the world. Realize that it's important for us to be global Christians. A lot of North American evangelicalism suffers from a type of Christianity that is myopic sometimes and very ethnocentric. In other words, very self-focused on ourselves. And especially with the political tensions that are in the air and without becoming political in this program, uh, I think that sometimes our values and our concerns become almost uh, something about party politics as opposed to what is going what is the Holy Spirit doing in the world and so one of the things that they could do is to study so for example, they could sign up for a perspectives course that would be one thing they could do it 's a recommended course that's been tried and true and from coast to coast you can find places where you can take the perspectives course that would be one thing Uh, secondly you could talk to your missions pastor in your local church and see how can you get involved with what the local church is already doing 
and um, maybe host a missionary family in your home and get to know them personally, encourage them, and also find out where is the Spirit moving around the world? What are, what's God doing through national, not just through the expatriate American missionaries, but what is God doing through national uh, movements? Study those cases. Also look at sustainability. How do we get missions to be sustainable into the future? Uh, these would be a few uh, a few steps that I would recommend. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I've mentioned on this program several times is is one of the re- regrets that I have as a as a father of three adult children is that um, I didn't get them to uh, a, a short term missions trip when they were young, and somehow I think that is huge as far as impacting a young person's life, whether it's to go to Mexico to build or the mm-hmm. Dominican Republic or or wherever, even if it's in the U.S., to another part of the country just yep. to serve. Yes. And and I think that that helps give a broader understanding yep. to, to people. Yeah. My daughter just got back uh, this past month from Nicaragua. And what I liked about it is they weren't there to build or paint anything. Nothing wrong with that, although it depends on how it's done. It should be should not be done for people or to people. It should be done with Nationals, And so the prepositions matter. Mm-hmm. If you're doing something for people, uh, it might be suspect, missiologically speaking. If you're doing something to people, it also sounds paternalistic. And the American is the, the rich person coming to help the poor person. And there's just something that's not quite right in, if we want to do missions the Jesus way. But to go and do something together and to bear witness to God's love with the people, to learn from the people, and then, yes, to share and to have a reciprocity. I think that's where missiology is heading, uh, is already now and into the future for those who are aware of uh, what the Spirit is doing around the world. So it's uh, a short-term trip well done with proper orientation at the beginning and proper debriefing at the end uh, would be a very good uh, thing to do. In the case of my daughter, Adriana, when she was in Nicaragua, uh, they just went uh, a group of women to be with a group of women and to see the God's transformative power working through several projects to bring uh, the improvement, that the, the what we call redemption and lift, in, in missions, the redemption of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but then the lift that comes with it in terms of improving many aspects of life. Well, John and Steve, we have two minutes left, and uh, I'd love for us, to, for you to share with our listeners, how can they help you? What, uh, what, are, you, what are the needs? Um, what are the financial needs? What are the physical needs for the ministry? How can they pray for you? Uh, just share with us. Thank you, Chuck. Go to our website, um, multiplicationnetwork.org, and you can hit the donate button if you feel called. And there are a number of projects that you can give to. Um, our China Bibles, as I say, are $3 a piece. And I can guarantee you those, those dollars will be used for that particular project. Um, you, can, you can pray for us. Um, we, do, we do absolutely need your prayers. Um, if you have missionaries overseas that might be interested in learning about how do we plant churches in the community that we're living in, we can connect with us, and we can we will be able to help you with it. And uh, the the website again is multiplicationnetwork.org. And if you want to reach out to Steve and speak with uh, him personally, it's Steve Chittenden. The phone number is four two five two three eight nine zero one eight. 
So, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me today on Heart of the City, and, and may the Lord bless you as you're, uh, as you're continuing to do his work and proclaim the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Chuck. Yeah, thank you. God bless. You've been listening to this 820 AM, the word special, Heart of the City. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM, the word, call Chuck Olmstead. 206-269-6216 or go to thewordseattle.com Three-star general Michael J. Flynn head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency knew all the government's dirty secrets He was one of the most respected generals in the military Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to He understood its funding He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors This set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.